Welcome to the Spark of Fire audio podcast. I believe if you continue to press in, this will be a helping hand to staying on fire for God. I'm your host, Bryston Catlett. Let's get into the message. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Spark of Fire podcast. I'm so glad to be back with you. I know it has been a minute. And I just kind of want to open up, start letting y'all kind of know what's been going on since I've been gone for like a month. And I'm sorry. And I missed you guys, even though I don't I don't see your faces. But that's okay. I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for listening and, you know, continuing to listen. And I thank you and I appreciate it. And it means the world to me. Um, but in the, over the past month, you know, our church partakes in uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And let me tell you, I challenged myself this year. I said, because I've, I've never fasted longer than three 24-hour days. And so I challenged myself. I said, okay, I'm going to do the first seven. And then after that, I'm going to do what's considered intimate, intermittent fasting or otherwise, other word, otherwise known as six to six fasting. And I did the first seven days and, you know, I was like, wow, that was, that was great. And, uh, you know, it, so much, so much benefits come from uh, prayer and fasting. And let me tell you, if you're one of those people who partake in prayer and fasting, as we should, you know, the Bible says when you pray, when you fast, when you give. And, you know, if your church partaked in prayer and fasting, that's great. And if not, I just want to challenge you as a believer, go through, read the Bible and, and, and figure out. Do I need to partake in fasting? And I know y'all see the title and y'all like, what does this pertain to anything? I'm gonna it's I'm gonna explain. But, you know, I I did the first seven days and then I was like, okay, I'm after that I'm gonna do six to six and then the last day off full fast as well. You know, and I did seven days of intermittent fasting, and I got to the end of it after those seven days, and I was like, This does not feel right. I am not putting a beating on my flesh, if you will, enough. And so I did the last seven days, and I'm so thankful that I did. You know, I'm telling you, prayer and fasting is just a super great help to me as a Christian. And and I, I can almost attest for all of those who prayed and fasted the correct way. And uh, I'll just say my I know I can speak for my pastor. It was great for him. Um, Not that I can speak for him, but I know that I could say that he would say that it was great. It was he wouldn't go back and change it at all. But either way, like I said, I just you know I did that and that was great. And as of January, we we set a sole goal for the month of January. We actually set it in November, didn't meet it. December didn't meet it. but January, um, our sole goal for our church was a hundred souls. And you know, some of y'all, y'all may be listening. And you're like a hundred souls. How do you even win souls? Well, just stay tuned to this podcast, and I'm going to teach y'all at some point. But um, that's what that he challenged us to win a hundred souls as a church. And as of uh, I think the. Th- 29th, he texted me. He said, hey, we have 20, 
close to 30 more souls to get. We had 29. We we had 29 to go get, which means we had already won 71 souls. He says, I want you to get go out soul winning and get us 30 more souls. You know, and I said, yes, sir. And, you know, I started putting work in well the 29th we went out soul winning we went to walmart i got i had to go run a trip and go to conroe to pick up some new church signs because those just were getting out of date and so we got some new ones that aren't gonna rip and aren't gonna tear off the the sign holder but um we got some new church signs and when i got back you know we went soul winning at walmart we saw three people saved and you know that's great you know and i was i mean i was praising god for those three souls and and you know the next day well, what did we have left to get? We had 26 souls left to get as of January 31st. We had 26 souls to get that day. So me and one of my best friends named Reagan, we go, our pastor says, I feel led for y'all to go to Nacogdoches today. And so we go to Nacogdoches, and I know some of y'all are probably like, oh my gosh, this introduction is taking so long. Just bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing my life with y'all, Okay. Y'all get to know me more by me doing it. So just bear with me. But, you know, we went to Nacogdoches and, you know, we were just trying to obey our pastor and we were, we were going and, you know, we were soul winning. And and so here we are. We're soul winning and we're out there for three hours, you know, in the cold. It wasn't, it was not warm. You know, people always think Texas, so oh, it's always warm there. Well, if you live in the area I live in, it does not stay warm. Not that it gets into the negatives or anything like that, but I'm a, I'm from West Texas, and over there, it's a different kind of cold. It's not like this East Texas cold where it's a, a wet, a wet cold. It's like worse. I had a, a family member of mine go to Lubbock for a couple of days. She said it was 12 degrees down there. It's 40 degrees here, and I'm more cold. I was like, well, I don't understand. It just, the cold sticks to you here. I don't know. It's weird. But uh, me and Reagan were out soul winning for three hours in this cold, and, you know, not not to boast about us, but, you know, we, we got, we had two souls up until this point. And, you know, you know, I, you know we were just like, well, dang. We're, I mean, it's not for lack of effort right now. And so my pastor, he calls me and he's like, hey, where are you at? And then, you know, I tell him and he's like, okay, I'm going to call a great man of God named Evangelist John Duke and have him call you. And so me and Evangelist John Duke end up getting on the phone and, you know, Evangelist John Duke tells me exactly what to do. This is why divine connections are so important. This is why you should follow those who by faith have possessed what you're believing to possess. Uh, Evangelist John Duke is a great soul winner, mighty man of God. And uh, and so, you know, I was asking him some questions, and he was, you know, answering my questions. And I went, and I did exactly what he said to do. And I'm telling you, this is why you should have the fivefold ministry people, the fivefold ministry gifts that God has put on this earth as gifts to us in your life. The, you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, this isn't a part of my message, but I'm going to go ahead and turn there and read, read you to them. They're all vital for you to have them in your life. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So those are the gifts that God gave to the church. I'm telling you, it is so vital for you to be sitting under those gifts. Sit under those gifts. You know, we... You know, our church sits under those gifts. And uh, 
you know, we've had multiple of those gifts come into our church. You say, well, what about the prophet? We've had prophet Robin and Krista Bullock. We've had prophet Timothy Dixon. You know, we've had evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, bunch of evangelist Shuttlesworths. <laughs> um, that's a great, that's a mighty family of God. All right. But we ended up just by obeying evangelist John Dew going out that night. And by 1149 p.m., January 31st, we won a hundred souls as our at our church. Praise God! You know we know some churches that you know are not. I'm not even gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. But you know I'm I'm I, I'm not. I'll just there's churches out there that don't win a hundred souls in a year, bigger than our ministry as of right now in numbers wise. But you know I'm not gonna say names, but. You know, that's that's just what I'll say about that. God is about souls, so get about souls. That's the harvest that we're going to take to heaven, for crying out loud. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm, I'm saved now. I can get into heaven. I'm, I'm saved from hell. I no longer have to go to hell. I'm going to heaven. Let me just say this. This isn't even a part of my message, but what are you bringing to heaven? You know, we'll stand before God on judgment day. And we're gonna, our lives are going to be judged, and we're going to either have works to show for it or no works to show for what we did while we're here on this earth. And let me challenge you with this. God has something for you to do while here on this earth. He challenged, He didn't really challenge his disciples. It, it's not a great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. And I know I shared this with you on one of my other broadcasts, but I just think it's so important, and it's, it, I hold it as a high, high standard because it's not a suggestion. It was an instruction. In uh, Mark 16 and verse 15, he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel or the good news to everyone. You know, if you're, you know, I don't know how old you are, but let's just say hypothetically, you're 15 years old, you're 14 years old and your mom and, and you're just a messy slob. Okay. And I did not do very good at this when I was 14 years old, not to throw myself under the bus, but I was not the cleanest kid. Took me till about 15 to realize, okay, I can't live in filth. But my sister all the time would tell me, or my mom, and you know, you say, well, your sister, how much older than, she was six years older than me. She was uh, partially my caretaker at the time because, you know, my mom worked and, you know, they just, yeah, but either way, my sister was always like, go clean your room. And, you know, I didn't take that as a, as a command. I took it as an, uh, as a suggestion. And I'm telling you, it did not benefit me whatsoever. And so, you know, I ended up getting in trouble. And, you know, I'm just saying, go into all the world. That does not sound like a suggestion to me. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, we have a very, very uh, useful sources that you can find that I will, I will gladly send to you. You say, you know what, next week or maybe before next week, I'm going to do a broadcast or a podcast, not a broadcast, a podcast on how to be a soul winner. And then I'm going to have a way for y'all to reach out to me and I'm going to send you the tools that I use to go out soul winning. And you're like, tools, what do you bring a hammer and a, and a, 
and a screwdriver. No, not those kind of tools, but just some resources that I've been given through other men of God and, and, and just ministers who've come through. I mean, truly, when you hook into the vine, you will never lack anything. But that's enough rambling on. I'm just so thankful and I'm praising God still that we were able to meet our soul goal. And man, it's just, it's glorious. Outreaches were glorious. You know, the devil tried to stop us from doing everything. I mean, he tried and it just drove us to go harder. That's what I'm telling you. Don't let the devil stop you. Everything that the devil tries to play, don't, don't sit there and whine about it. Don't, oh my gosh, the devil, he's doing all this. Don't bring glory to the devil. You serve a good God who wants you to have the best. He wants you to have the best. Call me a prosperity preacher. I believe in prosperity. Amen. But, you know, that's enough rambling on. I've done it for almost 15 minutes. And I didn't explain at all what I did that whole month while I was gone, but that's okay. I would like to get into today's message. You've seen the title. And what is the cost of following Jesus? I hope and pray that this might step on your toes a little bit because it's stepped on mine before. I mean, unless you already got this down, I mean, and if you do, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Don't give up. But if this steps on your toes, if I say something and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Don't click off. Just keep listening. You know, and also, obviously, I want you to test everything I say by the Bible. Test what I say by the Bible and, you know, it'll be great. And, you know, but if I say something and you're like, I didn't, I don't like that. Don't click off. Just don't. Just keep, keep listening and keep following along and you'll do great. All right, let's get into it. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 35. Let's uh let me flip there because I flipped to a couple other things. All right, here we go. This is literally labeled in my Bible. I, I have an NLT, but I also have a uh, New King James that I've read it out of. But uh, in the NLT, it says the cost of being a disciple. And it, I think in the New King James, the subtitle is leaving all to follow Jesus. So it, it says this. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them. So this is Jesus speaking. If you want to be my disciple, pause. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to follow Jesus. You know, all those people who are, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah. What does Christian mean? Little Jesus. Little Jesus. If you want to be his disciple, if you want to be a quote-unquote understudy of Jesus Christ, be, be his disciple, be his follower, be a believer in him. This is what it says. You must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Pause. Let me stop right there. Now, does that mean as Christians we should hate everyone? No, that's not what this is saying. I'm not sitting here telling you, oh, you got to hate everyone but love Jesus. No, if you're the type of Christian who always has a face that doesn't make you approachable just because you, you're having a bad day, quote unquote, or, you know, 
something isn't right in your life and you're and you're taking that out on other people i'm telling you that is not the way to live love on other people we are called to love on on people we're called to show love to the world you know god so loved us even while we were still sinners that he sent his one and only son jesus christ to come die so that we don't have to go to hell but so that we could go to heaven love people love them but it does mean that the love that you have for Jesus so surpasses the love that you have for everyone else that it looks like, quote unquote, you hate them in comparison. Let me quickly read this to you in another translation. I didn't know I was going to do this, but here I am. I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, great, this is verse 25, I'm going to read 25 through 27 in the New King James. It says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is Dake's note on this. Uh, if you don't know who Dake is, he was a great theologian and he wrote, he wrote out a Bible with his notes and I love this Bible. Um, it, this is one of his notes. It's an, it's a, that word hate right there. It, it doesn't literally mean to hate somebody. It means that one must prefer God or love him more than all else to be saved. God first is the motto of the Bible. That's his, that's his notes on that. And so, um, let me continue reading. And it says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So, let me continue reading. So, like I said, do not. it doesn't mean that you have to hate everyone. But it means that you must prefer God. That means God comes first in your life. It's not family, God, sports. It's not sports, God. It's God is first. God is first. The Bible comes before my playbook. The Bible comes before my family tree. And you know, you're like, that is crazy. No, it's not. I'm telling you. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, you know, uh, I was going to say forsake your family, but there's cases where you do. I'm saying, you know, and I'm not talking like husbands have to tell their three-year-old daughter to get out. I'm following Jesus. You know, here's a, here's a pillowcase tied to a stick. Now go find another mommy and daddy. No, but you must have your, and show your dedication to Jesus. You know, and, and so many people, they're like, well, this is selfish. No, it's not. You know, there. You know, it's literally like the Bible also tells us to put other people's needs before our own. So it goes, Jesus. Jesus is our. We put Jesus above everything. Then we put others before ourselves. Man, just just eat on that for a second. Just chew on that. Like I said, if I've you know offended you at this point, that that's just the Bible, and just stick around. But if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father and mother, 
wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? Does that mean I have to go and die on a cross just like Jesus? No. But that means that there is, because Jesus' call was to go onto the cross. That means that there is a call that God has for you while you're here on this earth. And you have to take on the burdens that, that God, that, that the burden of souls, you have to take on the, the call of God that God has for you and, and, and fulfill it and follow Jesus while doing that. Or you cannot be his disciple. And then check this out in verse 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. Who For who would build a con, the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and could not finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send out a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, this is verse 33. So, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And then verse 34 and 35 says this, Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how can you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should understand. So let me stop right there. Verse 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Let me let me stop and and say this, and this is how I've heard it said, and it's 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 true. You know, when becoming a follower of Jesus, will He ask you to sell sell some all your possessions and give it to the poor? Potentially, there is a cost to following Jesus. And what is it? Everything, your own life. Now that does not mean go and commit suicide. No. That does not mean to go and, you know, jump off a bridge to give up your own life. But what does it mean? That despite the fact that I want to stay home and watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, I'm going to go to church. Despite the fact that, you know, I've planned a Super Bowl party and my house isn't clean. And Sunday morning I wake up and I'm like, man, I really need to clean my house today because I didn't plan ahead and clean the night before, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, you have to have a Super Bowl party or anything, but just hypothetically, no, you love God beyond your own life. You are, and, and I'll get to a, another, another verse here in a little bit that, that show that so clearly, uh, gives this picture great. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it, it points out what I'm trying to say very well, but Verse 33, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And I'll say how I've heard it said. When everything means nothing to you, God can give you anything. And I'll let that just, just let that resonate. You have to be, when everything means nothing to you. 
the the wealth of this world can't mean stuff to you and God and and you prosper when the money is not a part of you God can give it to you because money is a great source the Bible even says money answers all things you know when there's a need that is needed in the church it doesn't just fall out of the sky one day now can God do that yes but we go out and we buy it you know if 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 i need food in my fridge it doesn't just rain, start raining gumballs like in bedtime stories no god god brings the provision and i go to the grocery store i pick up what i need and i i put the money in the self checkout machine or in the cashier's hand and so what don't let anything don't let a single person, don't let a single a single thing that you've put in your life, because everything in your life, you have allowed it to be there, whether it is good or bad. If you, if you, and you know, I'm not trying to condemn you, but if you have sickness in your life, it's because you've allowed it to be there. If you have friends that are holding you back from following Jesus, it's because you've allowed it to be there. If you're tied up in debt, it's because you've allowed it to be there. You let it into your life. Now, I'm not saying God can't get you out of any of that because God paid for your healing. God paid so that we could prosper as Christians. God paid so that we could, and you know, but it's a choice to give up your friends. You know, and you say, Bryson, well, how can you speak on this? Have you given up everything? You know, and I'll, you know, I've shared it in my testimony. When I was first called to move, I was 16 years old. And I was living in Odessa, Texas. I was doing great in what I thought I was called to do. And I was at the place where I thought I could do it best. I had a majority of my family, a majority of my siblings, all in one location. I mean, it's like, why would you move? I literally, like, my life was in Odessa, and then God called me to Huntington. So I had to make the decision. I had to choose whether or not I'm going to stay here in Odessa where it looks like I have my life made or follow the command of the Lord and move to Huntington where I have one brother and a church that God called me to. Well, now I'm way further than I know I would have been if I would have stayed in Odessa. I would not be nearly as far as I am uh, spiritually, physically, you know, just in every area, emotionally. Man, I was broken. And if I would have stayed in Odessa, I would have stayed broken. Because, I mean, I was there for a month. And all the all the stuff that pretty much came off of me while I was here in Huntington the first time started coming back. Because I was outside of the will of God. I hadn't given up everything when I was still there for that month. But then whenever I gave up everything, I'm telling you, there is a grace that comes upon you when you give up everything. You know, and there is a story in the Bible where Jesus told the young man, sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Well, why? Because money was what had that man's heart. Everything he owned was what had him. He was tied up by everything he owned. That was his everything that he had to give up. That was the very thing that was going to hold him back. And it did. 
And following Jesus and choosing to give up everything isn't something that we do weekly every Sunday where we go to church. It isn't something that we do bi-weekly when we choose to go to church Wednesday and Sunday. No, it is a daily thing. It is a hourly thing. It is something that you have, that it's a choice that you make every second of every day. It is a choice that you personally have to make. God can't make that choice for you. You have to make it. If I could make that choice for you, I would make it and you would give up everything. But I can't make that choice for you. I made that choice for me and it's turned out great. And I know many other brothers and sisters who've made that choice for them and it's turned out great. You know, and I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know there is something that you need to give up and God has already shown you what it is. And I just want you to know, give it up, give it up, whatever, if you have to move, if you have to get your own apartment, if you have to move in with a brother or sister like I did, move, or if you have to move in with a church family member, uh, one of my best friend, Antonio, he was kicked out of his house for giving too much money to the church. I think 17 or 18 years old. He was either 17 or 18. He was still in high school. He was still in high school. I think he had just uh, taken a step back uh, because he felt led to go into the workforce and, and pursue other things. But he had given uh, some money to the church, a, a, a large seed, and he got kicked out of his own house. Well, guess who took him in? A member from the church. Not his aunt, not his uncle, not his grandma or his grandpa. No, a family member didn't take him in. A church member did. You know, and if you're a, a church member and you see somebody who needs, who may need that, be that person for them. Because that is surrendering something. You're surrendering your home. You know, obviously, use wisdom when doing that. But... You're surrendering something. This is a daily dedication. Because you can fall out of it just as quickly as you got into it. I'm telling you. Now, there are precautions that you can take to make sure that you never do that. And there are steps that you can take uh, walking a, a holy life every day, just making that choice. Every day. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to cuss. You know, if you're fasting, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to not read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to go to church. You know, so many people, they make it out to be this complicated thing. Oh, well, I can't go to church today because I'm moving in, in, in three weeks. And, and so I got to get ready for that. Give up three hours today. Worry about packing later. There's so many times that, I, you know, in my natural mind, which is, you know, it's unfruitful, but in my natural mind, I'm like, I could be doing so much with my time. You know, and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for the job that I have. I'm, I'm, I thank God for it every day. You know, and in my natural mind, I'm like, you know, I'm just like, well, what am I doing? But it's it's true. I'm giving up what I have to God. You know, and maybe it is money. Maybe it is family. Maybe it is a vehicle. Maybe it is a house. Maybe it is something that holds you bound. Maybe it is your job. Maybe it's and not necessarily that you have to not work. I'm telling you, men, you have to work. You have to. 
You know, in the Bible, man, the men that did not work did not eat. And that is a foreign concept because now, now the men that don't work, they, well, they can get food stamps, they can get blah, blah. And I'm telling you, men, you need to work. If you are a man listening to me who doesn't have a job, get a job. Give up your pride and go work. Go work. Go support your family. Either way, uh, that's another podcast. But give up everything. What has your heart? Does Jesus have your heart fully? Or does your family have your heart fully? Does money have your heart fully? Or does Jesus have your heart fully? Fully surrender. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer what do I need done, but what God needs done. God, you need something done on this earth. Look no further. You know, get to the point where, oh, this man of God needs something, and I'm going there. Where if my pastor, he's believing for something, he says, I'm believing God that for something. Oh, pastor, here, I'm writing you a check right now. How, what's it going to cost? What, what's the, what's, put, give me a number. And start writing a check. I'm going to that place. To where I can support ministries by myself. Yeah, I want to be a ministry. Yeah, I want my I want I want to be a minister. But I also want to be able to oh pastor, you need a you need a new studio. Okay, you need some new things for your studio. How much is it gonna cost? Oh, we need a, the the camera's bugging out, you need a new camera, how much is it gonna cost? And write that check right then and there. That's where I'm going. Why? Because I've given up everything and I'm and I and you know I've sowed the seed that I need to. As, every time God speaks to me to sow something, I'm not hesitating. Why? Because I know that that seed is what's going to open doors for me. Don't let money have your heart. Don't let your family have your heart more than Jesus has your heart. You know, obviously, don't don't be a butthead to them. Love them. Give your life over to Jesus. The Bible dictates what I do. Not my child's soccer game. Not my job. Uh, we have a brother in our church, Brother Tristan, a great man of God. You know, his job was going against some of the things that we believe. And I'm not going to be shy about it. We did not con condone. We did not, uh, I guess tuck our tail and, and hide off whenever COVID came. No, we stood up. You know, I wasn't a part of it when it first happened, but I, I mean, I took a stand. Uh, Brother Tristan, his job told him, okay, you either mask up or you're fired. And Tristan said, well, then I'm fired, you know, because you know, we, we, we just got tired of it. We got tired of playing games. We got tired of it. I sat and I assessed the last two months of my junior year in high school because I got tired of it with this 90 I think 99.8% recovery rate. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not real. But it's so real that 99.8%, and I could be wrong about those, but a high percent recovery rate. You know, yes, people did die from it, and people did catch it. But, you know, it just it wasn't anything to be worried about, truly. If, if the mask that we could take off whenever we were sitting down eating was what was protecting us, 
If the mask that we didn't have to wear outside for an airborne disease, if the, you know, you know, I'm not preaching for this mask, but, you know, we, we surrendered it all. I don't care that I'm not going to be able to have these conversations every day with people so that I, no, I'm going to stand up for what I believe. I'm just going to go ahead and, and go to, I'm going to skip a, a piece of scripture really quickly and turn to Revelation 12. Verse 11, because I'm, I'm about to show you a principle really quickly. Yes, I have a, a real Bible right here. Revelation 12, 11, and it said, And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. In another translation, it says, and they defeated him by the word of their test by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life, even unto death. Did you know that a maj- there was only one of the apostles that died naturally, and it wasn't because of lack of effort. I mean, they literally tried to boil this guy alive, and it wasn't because of lack of persecution. Like I said, they literally tried to boil him alive, and it did not work. Not in water, in hot oil. They tried to turn that boy into some deep-fried chicken. But it's because they took what Jesus said seriously. Take up your cross and follow me. They watched Jesus get brutally murdered, beaten so much that they couldn't recognize him. They gave up the things that they had in life to follow Jesus. Look at the first calling of the disciples when Jesus went to Peter and Peter left his boats and his nets right there. Why? Because they knew they had to give up everything to follow Jesus. I mean, and it blessed them. It truly did. Man, they did not love their lives even unto death. They so cared about Jesus that they were willing to die for him, but yet there's some people who aren't willing to wake up 30 minutes earlier than they normally do to get ready and go to church. But you say, oh, if someone come and pointed a gun at your head, are you going to claim to be a Christian? Heck no, you're not. You're not even willing to be in church on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm a little fired up about this, but I'm telling you, As a Christian, going to church Wednesday night and Sunday morning is a bare minimum. That is the bare minimum. I mean, heck, we and I'm not trying to boast. This isn't me trying to boast. We have nine-year-olds, a nine-year-old in our church who does more than just go to church Wednesday and Sunday. And if her mama, you know, didn't make her, I'm telling you, she would be here. Because she's dedicated. She's decided, I've given up everything. I don't care about sports more than I care about Jesus. I don't care about anything more than I care about Jesus. I'm going to do what he says regardless. Because it's what I've decided. You know that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, so many people. I mean, it's it's crazy. Lethargic Christianity was not what we had in the beginning. In the book of Acts, you don't see that. You see Christians like Stephen who are willing to receive the persecution. It was promised to us. If everybody likes you as a Christian, you got to take a look. Am, am I 
not stepping on people's toes on purpose? Am I trying to be liked by everyone? Am I saying thing? Am I not saying things that God wants me to say? You have to examine your life. Take a step back. Why haven't I ever stepped on anybody's toes? You know, and I'm not saying that everybody's called to step on everybody's toes, but I mean, I'm saying some of the things you do, some of the things you say, there's going to be people who disagree with you. <coughs> My pastor made a joking post and it stirred up a den of demons. It was a joke. And these people were going crazy after it. I mean, I don't understand. You know, and, and you know, he's, he said it a lot, but he'll say some of the things and he's like, man, this is going to stir the den of demons today. You know, just because it's what God put on his heart. And he's like, well, okay, God. And then there's days that he'll make a joke and the den of demons is like, Rah! I mean, it's crazy. Persecution was promised. Jesus said, if they hated me, how much more will they hate those who follow me? If you're, if you're atheist friend, you know, and I'm not saying you can't pour into them or whatnot, and they can't love you, but if your atheist friend loves what you say as a Christian, you're probably not speaking everything correctly. Just going to put that out there. Unless they just converted to Christianity, I don't know. But if one of them is hell-bent on being an atheist, and they, they're willing to sit there and listen to you, quote-unquote, preach to them for hours? Uh, I'm just going to say it. Probably not preaching the true gospel. Because it's it's not only is it a standing block, but it's also a stumbling block. It will cause people to be offended. The, the gospel is offensive. Just as your testimony, it's going to offend people that you, you're prospering. It's going to offend people. Oh, you're just one of those prosperity preachers, huh? You believe in healing? Well, how come I'm not healed? You know, and it's like people are going to be offended. And if you're not offending anyone, you're either A, not speaking out about what you believe, or B, you're not preaching the true gospel. I'm not sorry. And I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going around it but they loved not their lives even unto death you know you got to really take a step back and examine yourself am i willing to die for this and if you're not what are you doing you know i'm not trying to condemn you but why are you following it if you're not willing to die for it what's 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 your reason it gives you it gives you chill bumps sometimes and you know I'm not saying that that's not true but you like you like the people and we're great people you know and you may say well you're just a meanie come meet me in person come meet me in person and and have a conversation with me and you you I mean you know most people would think my pastor is just a meanie butthead <laughs> I don't know but Really, you come have a conversation with him. Sit down. Listen to him. He's not mean. He doesn't walk on eggshells around people, but he he speaks the truth. Let me give you this uh this next this next uh scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 10. 
the Gospel of Matthew, or otherwise known as Levi, who was a, a tax collector who left his tax table to follow Jesus. 10.37, it says this, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Any, And then it goes on, to, you know, and let me just stop right there. If you cling on to your life, you will lose it. I'm telling you, if you hold on to your lifestyle because you think it's glamorous and glorious and you don't need Jesus, you know, and I'm not trying to condemn you. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm telling you, there are people who have the most luxurious lives but are lost. Like, for instance, and I'm not, you know, this may be a touchy subject, like Robin Williams. He literally had it made. He was a funny guy and... You know, I enjoyed watching Robin Williams' movie. But at the end of the day, he did not have the one thing that made him complete. And he wanted to hold on. I'm sure there was people who've... I'm sure you heard about Jesus. But, you know, if you hold on to that life, you'll lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, if you give up your life, you will find it. And it, it also goes on to say this. If anyone receives you... They receive me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. So in other words, and it goes on to say this, If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as the prophet. And if you receive the same reward as a prophet, or if, wait, sorry. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to the least of my servants, you will surely be rewarded. What's this telling us to do? Be a servant. Be a servant. Be a servant of Jesus. Be a servant of your brothers and sisters. Just, you know, as as a as the Bible says, outdo each other in honor. And so, you know, I'm I mean, I'm just saying there is a cost. And so what is the cost of following Jesus? Let me answer that question. The cost is everything. And when everything means nothing to you, God can give you anything. It's simple. You know, and let me let me use the disciples for for example. And I know I've already kind of shared on this, but literally they left everything that they had behind to follow Jesus fully. They're always with him. They left their lives in the past. Why? Because they took what Jesus said seriously. If you read the Bible and you're just like, eh, that's not really what he meant. You need to reconsider taking the Bible seriously. When when it says pray, pray. When it says you're going to fast, you better fast. When it says you got to give, you better give. I'm telling you this. You know, let me let me turn here really quickly because I, I think it's good. You know, and it's... But uh, Joshua 1, it says, uh, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that or to obey the book this book of instructions that is that's been given to you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Be careful to obey this book of instruction. Be careful. Carefully obey the commands that have been given to you. 
you know, obviously this was talking about the, the laws of Moses, but this is a principle that can be applied to the entire Bible. Are you willing? You know, the Bible says that the willing and the obedient eat the good of the land. Examine your life. Am I willing? Am I obedient? Do I really love God or do I love the thought of God? You know, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you a chance to do something very important. Cuz if I'm speaking to you, you know, but I'll say whatever it is that God's spoken to you to give up and you know, you feel like is holding you back from fulfilling your destiny, find a plan and quickly carry out that plan to execute getting that out of your life. What are some other things that you might have to give up? No, this one isn't a might that you have to give up. The sin in your life. Yes, maybe smoking pot is pleasurable to the flesh. But I'm telling you, there will be people in hell who think, man, I really should not have smoked that pot. It's It was pleasurable then, but it is very unpleasurable now. And it may be quite the opposite for Christianity. Not that we have to live terrible lives, but there are going to be, you know, there's a reason why people have to love not their lives even unto death. There's going to be times where you're going to be like, man, I just want to go back and uh, roll me a quick one because, you know, not that I've had that feeling, but, you know, it's it. The Bible tells us that it's not the let me just read this to you. Matthew chapter seven, 13. It says you can enter the God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult only for a few who ever find it. You know, and I used to be like, what? Christianity is difficult? But it is because people aren't willing to give up their life. You know, for those who are willing to give up their life, it it, it soon becomes pretty easy. Because you, you, you master the flesh, you overcome the devil, and now you're just prospering and, and walking a godly life now persecution may come and but you're so surrendered that it's just like okay i'm take me to heaven receive my soul lord you know but i just want to i just want to speak this out you know because you know if you love the thought of god but you really want to take take it to the next level i think it's just i think it's truly time to repent and get right with god sorry god that i've been falsely following you for my for my entire quote unquote Christian Christian walk, because there will be people who think, you know, and I may be speaking to one of you, but Matthew chapter seven verse twenty one it says, "Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter." On Judgment Day, many will say to me, "Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name." Perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's law. You know, and maybe you said, man, I really don't have a true relationship with God. I like the thought of God, but I haven't really fully surrendered everything. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me, okay? And, you, and you're, you're sitting there saying, God's speaking to me, and I know what I need to give up. Let me tell you, don't hesitate because... I'm telling you, there'll be there'll be times where I'm God's telling me to do something and I and I hesitated and I no longer feel like I want to give it up. Now, because I'm gonna follow the things that God tells me to do, I do it. But I mean in the moment when God tells me, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I gets to it, I'm like But I do it. But either way, if if you're one of those people who say, Man, 
I really haven't been following God like I should. To pray this prayer after me, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I repent for this false thing that I followed. Heavenly Father, please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. I thank you that Jesus Christ died for me. That he, and I believe that he rose from the dead. And that he's coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make yourself real to me. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't have a a website, but my church does. And so if you're one of those ones who prayed the prayer, and you say, I... I truly feel like God gave me something today. And I really feel like I've inherited salvation. Go to www.rhctx.com. And on that website, there's going to be a tab in there that says, I just got saved. Fill it out. We have some resources we would like to send you. And I just want to say thank you all for listening. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I come to you. I pray that everyone listening, Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, that you would make yourself so real to them. Lord, and if there's something that you want them to give up, Lord, Lord, I pray that you speak it to them. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you're doing mighty works in each and every person in here. And devil, I rebuke you from these people's lives. Any demon that tries to oppress them or any demon that has possessed them, I command you to come out and leave them alone in the mighty name of Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you've given me all authority over the power of the enemy so that I have the authority to do that. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this message that you put inside of me. And I thank you that you allowed me to put this message on the inside of them. And I thank you, Lord, that this will go forth and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, thank you. God bless you. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Spark of Fire audio podcast. May God bless all of the listeners today. Until next time, Bryce and Catlin.